the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's G5 football community. This is yet another Conference USA edition of the show. Uh, I'm Joe Londrigan, the Western Kentucky blogger over at UnderdogDynasty.com. I usually do some other Conference USA-related stuff as well. Um, But today we have another special guest on the show. You know him from his work covering CUSA football and basketball along with many other sports on BN Sports. He's also the host of The Extra on that network, one of our all-time favorite Canadians, Mr. Jeremy St. Louis. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. The pleasure is all ours, I assure you. Um, So how have you been killing time in this uh, football dead season here? I know you have plenty of other projects going on, but um, what's been going on in your life? Well, it's uh, as you said, it has been a bit of a dead season, so it's kind of just keeping track of, of uh, you know, trying to keep track of what's been going on with uh, with a lot of the college football stuff in the off season. Um, I do a lot of soccer stuff for VN Sports, as uh, many people, anyone who watches the network knows, where we do a lot of soccer uh, material. So right now, uh, it's a matter of gearing up for the Champions League final and getting ready for the World Cup, which is of course right around the corner. Because of the fact that we broadcast into Canada. We do have the rights for um, a couple of the major European competitions that go on during the club season. And so I do work on the Canadian side, uh, hosting a bunch of the games and stuff like that. So uh, most of my offseason is is uh, college football offseason anyways. College basketball offseason is mostly spent uh, just jumping into the soccer fold and keeping my feet wet in uh, in that portion of our network. That's right. I do quite a bit of soccer work. And forgive my ignorance, just with so much of my focus being on the football side, is Canada in the World Cup this year? Oh, that's a low blow. No, I I, I seriously don't know. I mean, I'm I'm an American fan, so I have absolutely nothing to talk trash about. I was just, I was (laughs) genuinely curious. Canada hasn't been in the World Cup since 1986. And in 1986, we were there for three games, didn't score a goal. And uh, yeah, we haven't been back since. We've been close a couple of times. And I think that I mean there were hopes that for this cycle that we would be able to get in but it didn't it didn't pan out for us um, in 2022 you know we're hopeful and then uh, in the coming weeks we're going to hear who the host is for 2026 and if Canada the United States and Mexico the joint bid between the three countries beats out Morocco well then Canada will finally make its appearance at the World Cup albeit as a host versus actually earning their place even if it's a host bid it's better than nothing so hopefully that would come through that would be a yeah. lot of fun for all of us, I think. I'm, I'm, cert- I'm certainly hoping it does. That's for sure. I can wear my Canadian soccer jersey with some pride attached to it. So, there you go. Um, growing up in Canada, um, what was your first kind of introduction to um, to American football? Was there? I know you guys have the CFL up there, and you know I'm sure NFL is not hard to really get into. But was there like a particular player that made you really start following the sport? Well, when I was young, I mean, I've played I've played football. I mean, most of my life, I grew up mm. with the Canadian Football League in Winnipeg, uh, following the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and 
and I, uh, I mean, iconic players for me when I was growing up were guys like Dieter Brock and Eugene Goodlow, guys who did spend some time in the NFL, but were mostly CFL guys. Uh, Willard Reeves is another name that comes to mind. Obviously, Warren Moon, who had great uh, five great championships with the Edmonton Eskimos uh, back in the day. But I mean, I remember playing football in everybody's front lawns and all that kind of stuff when I was growing up as a kid. And then really, when I started to get into it, I didn't really play anything organized in terms of sport until I got to high school, and then I ended up playing high school football and at that time the 49ers were the big team so Joe Montana became a guy that I sort of resonated to you know kind of gravitated towards uh, the way that he played resonated with me just his calm the coolness the under pressure uh, being able to kind of handle things and his leadership capabilities that was something that I tried to emulate during my playing career with some limited success uh, but that was what really kind of got me into it was uh, you know playing uh, high school football uh, back in the late 80s were you a quarterback as well I was, yes, I was a quarterback. You move on from your football career, you go through the uh, broadcasting ranks, and you find yourself at BN Sport now, and um, tell me a little bit about, um, I understand when BN started picking up uh, Conference USA and college football stuff in general, um, you were pretty excited about that, why is that? Well, I was very excited because I've been doing soccer. I mean, soccer has been a big part of my broadcast career. Most of my broadcast career has been spent doing soccer. I started, you know, started working on a on a program up in Canada, uh, in Winnipeg that we did when Fox uh, Sports International had a, a network in Canada that they had sublicensed out. Uh, Fox Sports World Canada was called. We did an international highlight show on that network, and that morphed into a soccer program. And I was on that soccer program for. Uh, a good 10 years on that show and it broadcast into the into the United States as well as in Canada and I mean a lot of people in the soccer world will have probably seen that have, that have kind of grown up in North America will have probably seen the show at some point mm-hmm. um, and then you know coming to be in sports we launched as, as mostly a soccer network um, you know pri- primary coverage of everything was soccer and then the branching out into because the soccer model is is something that is you know it has such a niche audience if you want to expand your audience you're going to have to get into more sports which is what has been the concentrated focus for being sports over the last number of years and when i heard that we were getting into college football having played football myself and having done soccer for so long the opportunity to do something different and challenge myself in a very different way was something that was very attractive to me and the day after i heard that we had gone after the rights for for college football and for conference usa i was in my boss office saying this is what I would like to do I want to do this and and from what I understand I was one of the only ones that really went into his office and said I want to do this because we do have a lot of soccer people and soccer is a great sport and the, the people that we have are so good at so good at it and they and, and they love it so much for me I mean I didn't grow up with soccer I grew up with football I grew up with hockey I grew up with North American sports so for me the chance to do something that was a North American sport and help build a product on our network uh, was just something that I couldn't resist and, and Conference USA having learned about Conference USA and what the conference brings and the talent that's there i love it i i absolutely enjoy every saturday night when i get to go on television and do conference usa it's something that that uh, i have found to be probably more rewarding than i thought it would be it's been just fantastic and uh, you know i'm looking forward to this coming season for sure 
Before we get into next season, let me ask you a couple questions about last season, the 2017, uh, and everything that happened there. Um, who was the most impressive individual performance in your eyes in Conference USA uh, throughout the 2017 season? The most impressive for me, I mean, you can't really. I mean, Devin Singletary was an animal. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the way that the way that he played for FAU, and then having. I mean, we went to the. We went to the game, you know, the, the, the championship game that was in Boca. We went to that game and just kind of, you know, we went there, hung out. We obviously don't have the rights to it. So we, we went there as fans and just to stand on the sidelines and be able to see him and that team excel the way that they did was just something that was really special. I mean, his, I mean he's a special player. He's obviously going to be playing on Sundays at some point. Um, and so for me, he was just a fantastic, uh, fantastic player. I also really enjoyed uh, Mason Fine's development. I really liked watching him sort of come to his own, became one of the best passers in all of college football, and I'm looking forward to seeing him again this season kind of take that next step, um, just because of the fact that, you know, he's going to have his main receiving core back with him, so I think that uh, we could see another special performance from him as he continues to grow, so those are two of the performances that really stood out for me. I I really was kind of sad to see Stock still go down again, because I was Mm kind of hoping to see him excel again. Middle Tennessee really seems to play well when he's there, and he's, 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 he's got, you know, he's got such a a great uh, tool toolkit, I guess you could say, when it comes to playing quarterback. There's just such a difference in that team when he plays. So I was kind of, I was hoping to see a lot from him, but uh, obviously the injuries derailed that. And, and of course, uh, Mike White was somebody that really stood out for me. And and when he was going through the through the process of the NFL draft and, and seeing him on the NFL Network, going through the workouts and, and talking to you know some of those college experts and. I think one of them asked him for his reads on on one particular play, and he rattled off like the reads of all the defenses that he could see. And when he was done interviewing, the guys just kind of looked at each other and just like, holy crap, this guy really actually knows what what he's supposed to be doing at the quarterback position and that's something and I, I mean I didn't I only played at a high school level and, and, and I don't you know I don't obviously know as much about the position as, as the guys who, who have played it at a much higher level but just watching him play I think that he has the tools to be an NFL player and I'll be very interested to see what happens with him and the Dallas Cowboys I think he could be one of those players that kind of goes under the radar a bit and might actually you know become a, a, a decent professional player but those were those were the players that kind of stood out to me last season. Mike White is a pretty good quarterback when he has a line that can uh, keep him on his feet every now and then, but uh, it's okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> as a as a Western fan, that year was a little bit a little bit tough to watch um, in that phase, especially. But um, you mentioned Devin Singletary and just the success that FAU had all throughout last year. They uh, agreed to a, an extension with Lane Kiffin until 2027. Let me ask you this: Do you see him staying for that entire time? You know what? I, I I don't think he stays past this season if they have another season like they did last year. I think I mean they're they're just they're just in a in a class by themselves when it comes to Conference USA. Mm-hmm. I think they proved that last year. This is a team that's not going to be much different uh, this year. I mean, other than you know maybe some change at the quarterback position, but. I, I don't see this team being that much different. And if they go on another run where they go undefeated, I mean, when you have two undefeated seasons in a row, are you going to be staying at a G5? Probably not. You're going to be, you know, there are going to be other teams that are going to want to take you. Obviously, the thing with Lane Kiffin is his past. Which team is going to want to take a chance? And I mean, there was talk about him possibly going to Tennessee. His name's been mentioned in, you know, in circles of other jobs that were, you know, at the end of the season. But I think Lane, I mean, I, I from what I understand from the people I talk to, 
he's happy in Boca. He likes the anonymity or the the the, the way that he can kind of live his life in Boca. You know, he kind of steps out of his out of his door, and he's got the ocean at his feet. And and from my understanding, he likes that, and he likes the way that things are in, in Boca. But I mean, let's be honest here. Lane Kiffin is a guy who wants the spotlight. This team is not in the spotlight because of the players that they have. They're in the spotlight because of Lane Kiffin. And I think that's going to be the case wherever he ends up going. I don't see him staying in Boca much past next season if this team goes on another run and wins another Conference USA championship. If they don't, could he stay there? Maybe. But, I I mean, with, with the way that his name's been bandied about for basically any P5 job that ends up coming out, I, 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 don't, I honestly don't see him staying in Boca for much longer. You kind of mentioned how the atmosphere of being in that area has really um, had an effect on Kiffin. Let me ask you: You are a uh, you're based out of Miami. You relocated there from from Canada. Um, you know how do you like that change? Well, I mean it's culture shock sure. uh, for me because Canada and the United States. I mean, yeah, we're you know we're we're neighbors, but our societies are very different in terms of how we operate and and how we kind of you know I mean like not to get it into a political discussion, but uh, sure. I mean healthcare is one thing that is completely different. And so, I mean, it was a, it was a, it's been a bit of an adjustment. It's been a change, but I, I wouldn't say that it's a negative change. I mean, I, I enjoy Miami. I think Miami's a, you know, I don't think it's the greatest sports town on earth, but I mean, they've got all the pro sports here and, and there's, there's UM is here. I mean, we had such a big season last year with UM. I mean, we were doing conference USA, but I mean, the guys I work with are UM guys. So they're obviously, you know, keeping an eye on what's going on with, with UM. And I mean, FIU is going to play UM this year so that's going to be you know something that's going to be big so i i i like miami i've i've enjoyed it i mean it's south florida i come from a place where in the winter time it can get as cold as the surface of mars so to be in florida for for 12 months of the year it's not a bad thing when i think about you know what i could be going back to in winter i mean when i go back home at christmas time i'll go back for a week i get my dose of winter and that's great then i come back here and the humidity hits me as i get out out of the airport and i'm like yeah it's good to be here (laughs) <laughs> Certainly uh, a fair assessment of the uh, weather down in Miami. Um, I came from kind of the, you know, the tundra area of the of the states in Ohio. And then my, my parents moved to Florida when I was uh, about 18. And it's it's just so nice getting to actually, you know, get a little vitamin D on your skin every once in a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it certainly is. And I mean, one of the things here, and, and I mean, Will Smith says it in his song about Miami, is the rainstorms aren't anything to mess with. I mean, we've had rain for most of the last week. And I mean, it basically, we're, I think we're supposed to get you know, more rain over the next few days. But that's the thing. Once you hit the rainy season, you know, you're going to get a dose of rain every day. And some of those, some of those rain showers, they'll last 10 minutes, but they'll flood the streets. So it's, uh, it's, it's been a definitely an interesting experience. I think that it's, uh, you know, it's, as I said, it was a bit of a culture shock because you have so many different cultures in Miami, especially, you know, I, I mean, I live in a part of Miami that's largely Venezuelan. You've got Cubans, you know, you've got uh, Dominicans, you've got basically a, a real melting pot of culture in Miami. Miami. Some of the guys that I work with who've been in Miami their whole lives, they, they, they often said to me when, when I first moved here, Miami's not part of America. Don't consider Miami America because America's <laughs> different. Miami is Miami and then there's America. So just remember that when you go through the experiences you're going to have here in Miami. And that's certainly the case. <laughs> 
again, another fair statement. But um, speaking of culture differences, um, I guess there's two questions kind of go along with this theme. Um, being in Miami and so close to both FAU and FIU, uh, both those programs kind of went through similar changes where they went from being in a state where they didn't really have a ton to cheer about now having a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the future with uh, Lane Kiffin at FAU, Butch Davis, or yeah, Butch Davis at FIU. Um, how would you kind of compare the cultures from being around those two programs to each other? Well, the interesting thing with FIU is is the, the cult, I mean, FIU is a commuter school, so you know, you're going to have, there's not, I wouldn't say that there's a real football culture at FIU, but that is what Butch is trying to change, and I think that he's doing a good job of changing that. I would say the same thing at FAU. They don't necessarily have a big football culture either, but that changed a lot last year. Just going to the championship game, you can see the change at FAU from year to year. When I was there the year before for a bowl game and there was barely anybody there, you know, you can see the year to year change on what the Lane Kiffin effect is with FAU. And obviously, you know, his social media, we've all seen his social media stuff, you know, his hashtags come to the FAU or, you know, all the, all the, interesting things that he likes to do sure. uh, with social media to bring attention to FAU and it certainly has done that and I think that the fact that they were such a dominant team last year has quickly evolved the football culture at FAU and in Boca here in Miami because you're fighting with UM uh, you know for for eyes but I think with what Butch is trying to do I think what Butch is doing is a little more granular for the Panthers because he's trying to instill not just a football culture in the school but in the players as well and I think that just talking to those players to see what you know the the, the effect that Butch has had on them I mean you, you can talk about what he's doing for the program as a whole in terms of improving it but what he's doing to those young men in terms of evolving them as football players evolving them as young men and as they move forward into their lives that there is going to be a long-lasting effect uh, you know for Butch Davis on these kids for Lane Kiffin I, I mean I hear the same things a lot of people who are around FAU and, and those players they say that Lane Kiffin is, is the same he believes in them he tries to get the most out of them and he does have an impact on them so I think both schools you're seeing you're seeing an evolution in different ways but they're moving towards the same kind of goal you've got Lane who's kind of a, you know, I don't know if you'd call him a new age type of coach and Butch, who's a little bit old school in terms of, you know, being a bit of a, a bit of a disciplined guy and then moving, you know, trying to move their programs forward with success. It, they're two very interesting dynamics. And when they, when they come up against each other, obviously it's something that, that is going to be pretty special, but I, I really like what both men are doing for their programs and the way that both programs are evolving. And it's always good when you have two programs that are similar to one another who are moving in the same direction, not one going up and one going down, but moving together in a competitive direction. And I think that that's what you're going to see with FAU and FIU. Granted, FAU is a little bit further ahead, but Butch has such a great class of kids coming up. I don't think it's going to be too long before FAU, FIU is certainly back to the you know rivalry that it used to be. That would certainly make for entertaining television if, if we get to that oh, point. Yeah. But the other question I had to go along with um, cultural differences in your time on Twitter, traveling, whatever the case may be, who's the most vocal fan base in CUSA in your observations? Oh, Marshall. Marshall? Marshall by far. Yeah, by far. <laughs> by far. I mean, from just the experiences that I've had, the games that we've had, 
and the the, the fan interaction uh, Marshall in terms of Conference USA those fans are unbelievable fans and they are and they're they're smart they're they're smart football fans they're passionate football fans but they're also fair football fans and that's something that um, that's something that I know that for me I appreciate I mean you're gonna get people who are gonna come at you and they're gonna they're gonna say things to you and they're gonna go to, they're gonna go off the rails and they're gonna to make you know take a personal shot at you or take an attack at you but Marshall fans in my experience I can't speak for everybody I can only speak from my experience have always been very fair and I know the times that we've gone to Huntington they have been more than welcoming and they have been you know tremendous fans of, of what we're trying to do uh, for that program in terms of getting the word out there through uh, our conference USA uh, rights and the games that we have and and uh, I mean I know that for me they are the most vocal fan base but I also appreciate that fan base as well being vocal is one thing but being vocal fair and knowing what you're talking about is something else and they are certainly uh, I would put Marshall at the top of that list thundering herd you have been well heard (laughs) (laughs) I I love the Marshall fans but I, I will say this I don't think Doc Holliday's a big fan of mine. I'll just say that. Really? But I'm not sure if Doc Holliday is a big fan of anybody. I mean, he's a great guy. I love listening to his clips. I love watching his press conferences and stuff. But I know just sitting down with Doc, he's a hard guy to read, and I know, and he's a little bit intimidating. When I'm sitting across from him at media day, and I see him there, and he's, you know, he doesn't, he try to joke with him and kind of, you know, kind of get a laugh out of him. He's not really, he's not really that guy. And I don't know if it's just the media thing that he puts on, but I've always gotten the impression the times I sat down with Doc that he has absolutely zero use for me. But that might be the media as a whole. But I mean, other than that, I mean, I, I you know, I love I love the Marshall program and the Marshall fans. I, I think they're fantastic. And I think they're in for a great season as well. It certainly looks that way. Um, definitely had reason to be optimistic with how well they performed. And uh, maybe it's just having a no nonsense coach at the helm. I don't know. In your travels and going to all these different towns and schools, um, I'm sure you guys eat out a lot. Um, if there's like a little local delicacy or a restaurant in a Conference USA town that's particularly stuck with you, what is that? Well, I mean, I'll be honest. For me, I, my travel is very limited. I'm mostly mm. in Miami. I know the guys uh, like Romberg and uh, uh, Gleason and the road crew, you know, they're always talking about the places that they would go and eat stuff. And, and basically, from my understanding, anywhere in Texas that has food is a place that Brett Romberg loves to be. It doesn't matter. What, I mean, just the stories I've heard, Romberg is an animal when it comes to food in Texas. That's my understanding. Um, for me, I mean, I, you know, the only real excursions that I've been on have been mainly Florida-based. And, you know, when we go to Media Day and stuff like that in in Dallas. And so um, there's been, I mean, when you go to Texas, it's barbecue. I love meat of any kind. So I will, if it says barbecue on the title, I'm usually there. And if it's, uh, you know, if it's pulled pork or pulled beef or whatever, I'm, I'm all over it. So um, as I said, my excursions for Conference USA in terms of the travel have been limited. But from what I understand of the road crew, Brett Romberg is the legendary eater. And of course, why wouldn't he be? He was a center in college football and in the NFL. So those guys can eat. So if he, Romberg likes it then i know it's probably a decent place to go and he 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 loves the places that he gets to go to in texas i mean you can't really go wrong with texas barbecue especially in like or mexican food in el paso 
No, there was, a, you know what, a couple of years ago at, 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 at Media Day for Conference USA, they brought in, at the end of the Media Day, they brought in a Texas barbecue for lunch, and it was like one of the greatest things I've ever eaten in my life, and I thought it was just, you know, I mean, I mean, in Canada, you know, Texas barbecue is not the same as what it is in, in Texas. I mean, when you get actual Texas barbecue versus, mm-hmm. you know, Canadian uh, imitation of Texas barbecue, obviously it's not the same. <laughs> you got to find the uh, little roadside stands or the guy with a... <laughs> With a grill attached to the back of his pickup truck or something like that, from my experience. Yeah, exactly. That's where you find yeah, the best exactly. barbecue. <laughs> uh, are you traveling to any events or games this upcoming football season that you're particularly excited about? Well, you know, the funny thing is, is we're just in the process of deciding what games we're going to, what games we're going to have this year. Mm. Uh, I mean, I have the, we're going to, I, from what I understand, there's going to be a release in the next, uh, the next couple of weeks. I mean, I think we've decided on all of our games, um, based on the list I've seen. I'm not sure how much traveling I'll be doing. I know that, uh, I know that we've always talked about taking the show on the road. It's always a matter of logistics and distance and trying to get people there, uh, um, in terms of working around other schedules and it just we haven't been able to make it work in the last couple of seasons but I know that this year uh, this season there has been some talk about you know trying to get the show on the road at least a few times um, so I, I mean I don't know what our list looks like yet but I will say that places I would love to go would be to Old Dominion I would absolutely love to go and do a pregame show um, there and do a broadcast from there because their fan base has been incredible and we have not been there yet and that is is a place that's on all of our bucket lists in terms of where we want to go in Conference USA uh, to do a game. So I'd love to do a game from there. I'd love to do a game at UAB. I think that that would be that would be fantastic. And um, we're, uh, maybe North Texas, just because I have an affinity for Seth Luttrell because he looks like uh, Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights. So <laughs> I mean, for for me, just to get in the same room with Seth, I'm always you know I always really enjoy talking to Seth um, just because of just, just because of that. But I mean. Those those are those are certainly a couple of places UAB I would love to go to and and as I mentioned Old Dominion I'd love to go to and I mean I've never been to Western Kentucky I'd love to come to Bowling Green for one too I'm sure they'd be happy to have you um, <laughs> in terms of whether you're watching them from the studio or going to the games whatever the case may be what CUSA games in conference or against non-conference opponents are you most looking forward to right now for the 2018 season FIU UM. I'm mm. looking forward to that. I think I think a lot of people are looking at because it it's Butch going up against his old team and and last year. I mean, I had the chance to kind of sit down and talk to Butch and and UM was on a run at that time and and they were you know they had such a great season last year and and just Butch doesn't really talk about UM that much and and I, when he was on the run when they were when they were on that run last year and I did I asked him about UM he really didn't want to comment on it and I'm not sure I'm not sure if that's because there's some you know there's maybe some some animosity there or that he's just not comfortable because it's not his program and he doesn't want to talk about he's such a polite guy and he's such a nice man um, uh, that you know I kind of left it as it was but you get the sense that this is a game that he's going to be very much looking forward to. Yeah, will UM probably take take it off FIU? Of course, you would expect that they're going to be heavy, heavy favorites. But at the same time, it's it's something you always want to see. You'd love, you want to see the coach go up against his former team and just in it. I think it's a good be a good measuring stick for where where things are at with with FIU. I know that 
we don't have that game uh, uh, because it's you know it's it, it's an out of conference game that we won't have. Mm-hmm. But I know that we're already talking about going to that game. We're already talking about possibly doing something with that game because it is such a big game uh, between those two schools. So that's one game that I'm definitely looking forward to. I'll be interested to see how Western Kentucky does against Wisconsin. That's a game I'm looking forward to as well um, because uh, you know Wisconsin's been good in the last uh, last couple of years. I mean FAU FIU is a game I look forward to. But the Shula Bowl is always nice. I think this year it's going to be here in Miami. So that'll be nice and close. Uh, I'm not sure what our what our coverage is going to be like for that game because I don't think we're going to have it. The way that the the way that the uh, the rights are set out, I don't think that we have access to that game. Um, but I look forward to, you know what, the, the non-conference games, I mean, they're, you know, some of those games are, you look at it and you go, okay, well, they're going to get smashed and, you know, uh, they're going to smash that team. So uh, the non-conference games really, I don't, I don't really gravitate towards other than something like an FIU UM. The, the, the conference games are the ones that, you know, that I like. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to La Tech taking on North Texas. They had said North Texas is a team that I think is on the rise. La Tech obviously had a down year last year, but uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what they can come up with uh, this year. Um, I'm expecting North Texas to be good again. I think FIU could surprise. So, you know, like an FIU Middle Tennessee, I think that's in the middle of October is a game that would be a would be a good game. UAB, nobody expected them to do what they did last year. I think they're going to play North Texas as well at some point in October. So I think that's a game that's going to be fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, every week there's usually one or two games that you're going to want to see. So um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to, to be honest i love football so i'm just looking forward to the season as a whole i I, you know what people say well well, you know it must suck spending your saturday nights in a studio no i love spending my saturday nights in a studio i get to sit there with a bunch of ex-nfl guys and talk football for three hours and then talk to you know talk to an audience who knows about football for a few hours i mean it's 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 fantastic i'm incredibly lucky to do what i do and i just look forward to being able to sit in that studio and watch those games that's a very awesome approach to uh, take to your craft. And I know a lot of people that uh, watch the shows certainly appreciate um, the insight and just the love of the game that you guys bring to the show every week. Um, so let me start to wrap this up here with uh, one more question. If you had to pick right now, who's going to win Conference USA football in uh, 2018? Who's going to win the league? Marshall. Okay. I think I think Marshall is going to surprise, and I think that uh, nothing against FAU. I think FAU is going. I think FAU is going to have a great season, but nothing ever goes according to script with Conference USA. It's one of the things I've learned is that what you think is going to happen is not usually what's going to happen. And nobody expected FAU to be what they were last year, and it caught everybody by surprise. They're not catching anybody by surprise this year. Marshall, I think they've got a great, they've got a great, they've got a good team. They've got a great coaching staff. I think that they're going to be ready this year, and I think that they're going to make that jump. The teams that are that are ready to, to contend for the Conference USA title, I'd say Marshall is is right up there. You know, North Texas is there. Maybe Latex, they can get some consistent play at the quarterback position. I mean, it's that's you know, those are the kind of the four teams that I would look at, but I would say of those four teams, FAU, Marshall, North Texas, La Tech, I'm picking Marshall. All right. I, I know there's a lot of thundering herd, herd fans that uh, listen to our show that would love to see that happen. So, I, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. It's definitely going to be a competitive league this year. So um, just hoping for some entertaining games. Um, 
So that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Underdog Podcast. Definitely appreciate everyone listening. And, of course, appreciate Mr. Jeremy St. Louis for stopping by the show. Um, coming up on the site, just we're going to continue the summer content. Um, Cyrus is previewing all of the position groups in Conference USA. Um, so be on the lookout for those. Um, going to look ahead to how good Western Kentucky can actually be in 2018. Um, and we'll have more interviews with uh, me media figures and uh, a couple coaches coming up this summer. So keep uh, keep an eye on the show for that. Follow us on iTunes. Follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter and Facebook so you don't miss when those get published. Jeremy, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have anything that you would like to plug while you're here? You know what? I don't really have anything I want to plug. I mean, we're, you know, as we're getting ready for the for the football season, I mean, we've got soccer and stuff all summer. But I just, sure. hey, I, I just want to say uh, you guys do a fantastic job, and it really has been my pleasure to be on this podcast. And, and thank you so much for asking me uh, to come on because I have a lot of respect for what you guys do. You guys have a hard job. You do tremendous work. I'm on the site all the time. I'm listening to the podcast. Like, you guys do such a tremendous job, and, and I, I can't thank you guys enough for the hard work that you do in just getting the G5 content out there because it's important stuff. It's There's some very competitive teams and some very competitive games, and you guys do a fantastic job. So thank you guys for the job that you guys do. It's it's phenomenal, and it's a key part of you know keeping guys like me informed about what's going on uh, with the college football. So thank you for having me on. It's been one of my pleasures to come onto your podcast. You make me cry, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I certainly appreciate the kind words we put a lot of work into it um and uh we'll continue to do so as we get content coming out this summer and into the 2018 football season um for mr jeremy st louis and my usual co-host mr satchel ziffer who could not make it today um just want to say thank you for listening happy football watching and we'll see you in the next one have a great day everyone